May I speak in the name of the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. We all know, and I hope all of us, how painful it is to have our conduct misunderstood and misrepresented when we are trying to do right. Your conduct and your way of life is sometimes misunderstood and misrepresented because you are trying to do something that's right. Does that apply to anybody here? Come on, raise your hand if that has been your experience. Well, friends, we're in good company. Because, you see, this kind of trial our Lord Jesus Christ experienced day by day, continually, through his earthly ministry. We have an instance here, of course, of the gospel reading on his return to Capernaum, his home. You'd have expected people welcoming him most warmly. His family, mother and brothers, arrived to restrain him and put him in custody. Because people are saying he has gone out of his mind. The professional interpreters, of course, the law, the scribes, saw the miracle and the casting out of demons which Jesus had done. They saw them, yet, although they couldn't deny their reality, they accused Jesus of actually being in league with the prince of demons, Beelzebub himself. They said, he has Beelzebub by the ruler of the demons, that's how he's casting out his demons. They could not deny the miracles. They could not deny the healing. Instead, they say, well, he must be doing it by evil powers. And yet Jesus himself is saying, I'm plundering Satan. I'm actually going to undo all that Satan is all about. And if you think I'm doing it by the power of Satan, you're actually attributing me to be one of his, and therefore you're denying very much the power of God. And as to his true family, Jesus says, it is comprised of those who do the will of God. Notable, actually, inclusion, and this is quite very revolutionary indeed. It includes women in the Zuni community. It says, sisters and mother. Now, if you think that this whole question of Jesus being inclusive is a modern thing, forget it. It's way, way back there. So what lessons are we going to learn from this for our own spiritual life to encounter, particularly if we've been experiencing criticism, misrepresentation, when actually we've been trying to follow the will of the Lord and then people misunderstand us. There are many lessons I could spend the whole morning telling you about, but I'm going to draw out just two, just two this morning. And the third will be next week when um, uh, Eric here preaches. So you've got to keep up, pick up from where I've stopped, all right? Good, that's a good deal. Anyway, the first lesson is how great is the evil of dissensions and divisions. Our Lord shows the absurdity of the scribes, of course, in supposing that Satan would be casting out by Satan and so help destroy his empire. Jesus appeals to a most notorious fact, which even his enemies actually must allow, that there can be no strength where there is division. Where there is division, friends, there's no strength. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. 
And you know the division of Christians are one great cause of the weakness of the body of Jesus Christ. They often absorb our energy, our time, our power, which might actually be bestowed on better things. Do you know our divisions help the devil? Satan is the chief promoter of divisions among Christians with the sole purpose of the extinction of the true gospel of Jesus. No one knows better than the devil that to divide is to conquer. You look at all the great wars of the world and great conflicts. It is if you can manage to create a division, you can actually conquer that which you think is still within your grasp of power. So friends, may we resolve, as it lies within us, to avoid all dissensions, quarrels, disputes about understanding so far of the gospel. Let us loathe and abhor them as the plague of the churches. Of course, we can't be too jealous about this strive-saving truth of the gospel, but it is easy to mistake our sort of morbid attitude for conscientiousness and zeal upon trifles. Some people can actually be so caught up in defending trifles instead of actually keeping the main thing. And the main thing is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the giving of the Holy Spirit, and calling us to be his friends. That's what is the main thing. But some of us spend too much time spending a lot of time and zeal on trifles. No wonder somebody has said, we've all become custard Christians because we are get ourselves and ourselves getting upset over trifle. <laughs> are you that kind of a custard Christian? Getting upset over trifle. Hmm? Beloved, oh, by the way, this happens, you know. You come into some churches, flowers now by the altar, and somebody says, oh, the vicar has moved them from there to here. I'm not doing them again. <laughs> somebody has been taken off the rotor for making coffee. And they tell him, you're going to be next week. But this is the week I was actually preparing to make the coffee. Hmm? The chair where you normally sit has been removed or somebody has come and sat up there. But we we as a family have been sitting in this row for years. May I tell you, in heaven there will be no churches, friends. So you better get used to it, that from time to time you're going to be misplaced. The things which upset people are amazing. I came this morning and the vicar just passed me, didn't say hello. And I don't know why they put that person on the welcome desk. They are so unfriendly. (laughs) Beloved in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the enemy of division. Let us be ready to concede much and make sacrifices for the sake of the gospel of Jesus. Listen to what the psalmist said. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard on the beard of Aaron running down over the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing forevermore. How very good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. So how great is the evil of dissensions and divisions? By the way, that also happens in PCC meetings. I remember one time in my, when I was a curate at St. Andrew's Ham Common, we were debating on building a new organ. That decision took 20 minutes, 
three quarters of a million. No problem, no difficulty. And then as a young curator, I wanted to have some newer toys because the Sunday school was growing, the youth work was growing. So I went to the PCC and said, we must get some toys. The budget, 150 pounds. And they took 30 minutes to talk about it. <laughs> the decision was, no, the ones that are there work. So Margaret and I used our own funds and slung out those old terrible, terrible toys. You know, people can spend a lot of time talking about building a bicycle shed, and they take little time on buying a Rolls Royce. Well, maybe you hear you're so saintly, things like that don't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, let us learn what a glorious declaration our Lord makes in verse 28 about the forgiveness of sins. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they actually have uttered. All sins will be forgiven. The sins of your youth, the sins of your old age, the sins of the mind, hand and tongue, the sins against God's commandments, the sins of persecutors like Saul of Tarsus, the sins of idolaters like Manasseh in the Old Testament, the sins of enemies of Jesus Christ and his people, the sins of backsliders from Jesus Christ like Peter, who denied him, who denied our Lord, the sins of betrayers like Judas, all may be forgiven. Because the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse everything away. The righteousness of Christ can cover all and cleanse all. The truth laid down here is the crown, I'm sure, friends, and glory of the gospel. When Michael Ramsey was Archbishop of York, he went to Cambridge to lead a mission. And some young so-called atheist stood up and said, Archbishop, the gospel really is ridiculous. What is the Christian faith all about? You know, Michael Ramsey in his sort of muttering way said, hmm, 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 the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of sins. You know, that's the greatest heart of the gospel of Jesus. The very thing it proposes, every person is free, is pardoned, can find full forgiveness, complete remission without money and without price. Listen to this preaching by the apostle. Let it be known to you, therefore, that through this man Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. By this Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from those sins from which you could not be freed. That's in the Acts of the Apostles. Friends, I invite you this morning to take hold of this gospel truth without delay. If you've never received it, this is the morning to do it. It is for us as well as for others. We too, this very day, if we come to Christ, may be completely forgiven. Listen to this prophet Isaiah. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Let us hold firmly on this gospel truth. If we received it already, we may sometimes feel unworthy. We may feel cast down. But as St. Paul said in um, that reading from 2 Corinthians 4, which was read from an iPhone. Now, this is what I call very modern, huh, young lady? <laughs> the book there? No, I'm going to read it from my iPhone. God bless you richly. <laughs> 
Paul says this is the power of God. The power of God in human instruments, vessels, agents of the gospel are fragile like clay jars. But then he says, we dwell, yes, in an earthly tent, but we know that our heavenly dwelling is prepared for God's people. Put it another way. For every forgiven Christian, they begin to live in God. Some of you probably don't realize how powerful that is. When we are forgiven and the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts, he takes us into the very being of God. Remember those words from Ephesians? That Jesus Christ, when he actually ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts, some to be this, to be that. And in chapter 2, he begins to say, yes, we're dead in our trespasses and sins, but God who is rich in mercy in Christ forgave us and raised us with him to the heavenly heights. Your home right now is with God in Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Your life is hid with Christ in God. How many of you really believe this? What gets me these days is that Christians who really love the Lord, who read the Bible, read those words and they don't believe them. We become the most atheistic of all believers. We read the truth like that and we think it applies to Eric because he's very saintly. <laughs> it can't apply to me. Your home is in God in Christ. And that's why we shine a number of things we shouldn't be doing. You see, the assurance is provided, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And our aim is to please God and we will be accountable to Jesus who will judge us in our body. But if we really have come to Christ by faith, our sins are clearly forgiven. They are cast behind God's back, as it were, blotted out of the book of his remembrance, sunk into the depth of the sea with a very clear sign on the shore. Fishing prohibited. Let us believe and not be afraid. As forgiven sinners, let us rejoice in our being forgiven of past sins, given new life in the present, and hope for the future. So let us look on any dissensions, divisions, and party spirits as great works of evil, and therefore have nothing to do with them. And like our Lord, possess this great, quiet, firm perseverance in the face of discouragements. The slanderous suggestion of enemies and the well-meant demonstration of families and friends were absolutely powerless for Jesus. No matter what they said, because he knew who he was. Uh, Martin Luther, when he was actually facing a bombardment from the Pope and about to excommunicate him, he said, yes, you may say those things, but I am baptized, I am in Christ. You can say as much as you like, Pope, I am in Christ. There's nothing you say which will take me away from that reality. Alone in one of the terrible prisons of Idi Amin, being kicked around like a football, then that truth came very clear. That yes, they may kill me, but actually my life is already hid with Christ in God, and they can't get hold of it. So like our Lord, let us take up the cross and say, I will not cast it away. Let Jesus Christ be our Lord. Let him be our all. 
And you know, the whole thing of being a Christian is not prepare yourself to go to heaven. Because you're already living there. The Spirit of God is living in you. And by the way, heaven is not a home for retired Christians. (laughs) Heaven is a home for very active Christians. And I hope too that you're enjoying worshiping the Lord now. Because if you're not, heaven will be hell for you. Because that's the only thing they do in heaven, by the way. They worship our Lord day in, day out, and give him glory for everything that God is. So I'm going to invite you to stand, please. Will you please stand? And the greatest way of wanting to say, yeah, I don't want to have any more divisions. I'm not going to be that kind of a person because that's the work of the devil, really. And I want to be forgiven. So I want you to just put your hands like this and say, I'm surrendering everything about me to Christ. The left hand is saying no to any backbiting, anything that's not of Jesus, anything that causes division, dissensions. The right hand for forgiveness. And I want to be forgiven. Everything I've ever done, I've ever thought. And I want the Lord to take from me all that is not of his and fill me with his spirit. Lord, we thank you that by your death and resurrection and by the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, you call us to be adopted children. You invite us by faith to receive your forgiveness, to be filled with your Spirit. Come and make your home in each one of us this morning. Come and set us free and fill us with abundant love, abundant joy, and say no, say no to the ways of evil. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We thank you, you've heard our prayers. And as Spirit has spoken to our hearts, may we leave this morning with a real spring in our step because Christ, you are our all. Amen.